The Trinell Financial Group is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Independent contractor of Money Concepts International, Inc. All securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member of FINRA SIPC. Investments are not FDIC, NCUA insured. No bank or credit union guarantee. May lose value. Money Concepts Advisory Service is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Welcome back for another episode of What's Your Money For? podcast. I'd like to welcome those of you who have joined us for the first time. My name is Cody Braun and I'm your host. And today I have with me Tyler Braun. What we do here is we get together each week to talk about money. Our goal is to help you answer the question, what is your money for? And we're going to go ahead and jump in and get started. Today, we're going to be talking about plans. And when I say plans, I'm talking about two terms that we hear quite often, which is qualified and non-qualified plans. Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit, what is the difference between a qualified plan and a non-qualified plan? Absolutely. So it is a really common question that we get. Um, what is a what's a qualified plan? What's a non-qualified plan? It's a term many people have seen um, quite a bit. So a qualified plan is simply something. It sounds sounds very confusing, but it just means there's some qualifications attached to it. Typically, when you hear the term qualified plan, it's referring to more of a retirement plan. So a, possibly an IRA, a 401k, a 403b. Um, if, if you have a qualified plan, it allows you to deduct your contribution the year that you make it. So you can put it away pre-tax or deduct it from your income. So that's a qualification that's there. So there's various qualifications, uh, but typically they're talking about uh, preferential tax treatment with a qualified plan. Uh, with a non-qualified plan, it's just treated differently. There's a different form of qualifications that goes with that. So the reason they use the term non-qualified is typically it's after-tax money that you're contributing, but there's still qualifications attached to it. Um, So qualified simply means there's qualifications to add money or take money out. Non-qualified means it's after-tax money that you put in, still some qualifications attached to it. Uh, I know it sounds really confusing, but I know you're going to ask a bunch of questions and we're going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, they they sure don't make it easy for us, do they? So I guess, how do you know if you uh, have a qualified or a non-qualified plan? Like, do you see that on your statement? How can you find out to, to tell what is, what plan are you on? Absolutely. So typically it would say on your statement, if it's qualified, it'll say a 401k, 403b, IRA, something along those lines. And like I said, if you're, a, a four, if you're working for a corporation and you're adding to a 401k, uh, for example, any of those contributions that you're making to that 401k are deducted from your income. So that's one of the qualifications. That's a qualified plan. It also allows employers, if you're working, to make a deduction or a contribution into that plan as well for you. Uh, so that's a qualified plan. It's typically, as a general rule of thumb, when you hear the term qualified plan, they're talking about a retirement account of some sort, right? Non-qualified, when you see that term, a lot of times you'll see that on like an annuity statement. So non-qualified simply means you took money that you already paid taxes on, put it into an account, and that money is now going to grow tax deferred for you. So it's after tax money, but instead of paying capital gains tax on the growth in the future, that money is going to grow tax deferred just like an IRA would. And when you take it out, there's some qualifications attached to that where you would pay ordinary income instead of the capital gains. So it's after tax money that's growing tax deferred for you uh, for future growth. That's what a non-qualified account is. Can you change between the two of them? Uh, You could, but there'd be taxation, right? So if you had an IRA, an IRA in that case is pre-tax money, Or a 401k uh, would be a qualified plan with pre-tax money in it. If you took that money out 
and said, I want to put it into a non-qualified plan. Well, you're taking it out of something that's pre-tax to put it into a vehicle that you need to start with after tax money. You'd have to pay taxes in order to shift that over. So it's not something that we would highly recommend without looking at your situation. Okay. So it's something you want to identify in the beginning when you start on a plan is, do you want to have a qualified or non-qualified plan when you're setting it up, fair to say? Uh, Everybody's a little bit different. So it's just looking at the tools or the vehicles that you have available to you and saying, does it make more sense to go forward with a qualified plan or does it make more sense to add into something that may have, uh, may involve a non-qualified plan? So it's every person's different from that regards. Okay. Well, I heard tax talked about a lot in there. So um, I would talk to someone who uh, knows more about that. And thanks for sharing the little bit you did here. A couple other questions that have come up uh, that I want to share what are some options of somebody who doesn't have the option for a qualified or non-qualified plan? Is there any options for people who aren't offered a plan through their employer? Uh, what would you, uh, you know, look into if you were them? So ultimately, most people, if you're working for a larger corporation, are going to have a form of a qualified plan available to you. So if you're a uh, employee of the private sector or a corporation, you're going to have a 401k typically available. Uh, if you are a public servant, you may have a 403b available or a government employee might be a TSP or a thrift savings plan. So those are forms of qualified plans, which means any of the income that you are contributing to it, you can deduct. You can also possibly get a match if your employer will match you inside of that uh, plan. So most employees that are out there have buckets available to them. If you don't have anything available to you and you're under certain parameters uh, of income, you can contribute to an IRA directly. So there's parameters where you can make a contribution directly into an IRA and deduct that against your taxes, meaning that if I'm using this as completely round numbers, but let's say you made two or let's say you made $100,000 just for easy math and you made a $5,000 contribution to your IRA for that year you're only showing taxable income of 95000 in that example. So it reduces your ordinary income level, um, which means less taxes uh, from that regards. So that would be something where we see most employees fit into something along those lines. For non-qualified plans, we typically see people utilize those with excess money, meaning that they've done a great job saving, they're already doing their qualified plan, and now they want to take part in additional savings, but they don't like to pay taxes. So some higher net worth individuals may uh, go down that avenue, people that just want to avoid some different taxation or um, something along those lines. What they're doing is they're putting after-tax money into a vehicle that says instead of getting a 1099 every year and paying taxes on uh, the dividends or the interest that's accumulated, it's going to continue to grow tax-deferred just like an IRA or a pre-tax vehicle would. And they're not paying any taxes on that money until they take it out. Uh, so it's just something we see people that have excess uh, assets that don't like to pay taxes. It's something that they, they explore. Here I thought we were going to be talking about plans today, and all I keep hearing is taxes. And I, There's I a lot that goes into both of those. There's are, a lot that goes into both of we those. We are in the midst of tax season, my friend. So I guess, is there any, how often, or is there any updates that are needed to plans, uh, qualified or non-qualified, that need to be made how often would they need to be made, if at all? Uh, I mean, you should always look at what you're doing, you know, and review it at least annually. Review the, the the type of options you have inside your plan, or is what I'm doing is it the right thing to do with the correct movement for me? Because people are constantly changing, and and in today's environment, we have a lot of set and forget. 
right? We're, well, I'm doing this. I'm just going to check a box and it's done. It's, it doesn't work that way. It's something you have to continue to address and say, as my economic condition changes, do I need to make adjustments to what I'm doing um, or is what I'm doing continuing to be appropriate? Okay, good stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of these advantages and disadvantages of these two plans because I'm sure people right, have questions of, they have these available to you. Why, why would I look at something like this? Why would I not? Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk about qualified plans first. So if you're a qualified plan, it's typically a retirement plan, like I said previously, and there's restrictions with that, right? So you're, you're capped on how much you can contribute, meaning that if you're adding to a 401k, they just up that to about $19,000 for your contribution limit. Uh, if you're over 50, you can max out at a higher amount. Uh, so they cap your contribution amount on a qualified plan. Um, in addition to that, they don't want you to touch that money until you're 59 and a half. And there's a few exemptions to that rule we're not going to dive into today. Uh, but if you were to touch that money, before 59 and a half, there's typically a 10% early withdrawal penalty uh, that you would see. So there's restrictions tied to a qualified plan. So the advantages would be that that money can be put in, it can be deducted against your income, and it can grow tax deferred for you. The disadvantages are there's restrictions, meaning you're not supposed to touch it before you're 59 and a half. There are exceptions to that. But in addition to that, there's a maximum on the amount of income that you can contribute into a qualified plan. Because if you think about it, uber wealthy people would just put all their money into a qualified plan so they can deduct it against their income and not pay a lot in taxes, right? No paying taxes. So, <laughs> so non-qualified, um, that one's a little different. So non-qualified means there's less restrictions. There's no cap for the amount that you can contribute to a qualified plan because you're not deducting it against your income. It's typically after-tax contributions for the most part. So you're not deducting it against your income in that year. So there's no cap on how much you can add. That's a good thing. In addition to that, um, it will grow tax-deferred for you. So you're not getting a tax bill every year. So with that being said, it grows tax-deferred just like an IRA would grow. Uh, and ultimately, it allows it to compound on a larger number because you're not reducing that by paying taxes out of the account. So those are both advantages. A disadvantage that we would see with a non-qualified account is there still are restrictions, meaning that since it's growing tax deferred, if you started with after-tax money, any of the gains that you had. So if you started with 100000 and it grew to be 150000 and you said, I wanted to take that full $150,000 out of the account, that $50,000 is actually taxed as ordinary income, not capital gains, even though it's after-tax money that you started with. So you have what's called a basis. That's the 100000 you started with, right? That's the starting balance. You would only pay taxes on the growth in that example, but it's ordinary income instead of capital gains. A lot of people confuse that. In addition to that, they don't want you to touch it before 59 and a half. Same thing. If you touch it before 59 and a half, there's that 10% early withdrawal penalty only on the gains. And that's a big disadvantage that needs to be paid attention to for people when they're doing their plan. Uh, you explained that well. I can definitely see how the taxes uh, overlay and intersect here with these plans of ordinary income, capital gains, 10% penalties, a lot of this stuff that you talked about. Uh, through those plans. So one last final question here uh, before we wrap here today. So a lot of these plans are used to put your money in there, retirement, savings, uh, you know, what you're going to use it for down the road. Uh, so you take all this time, you spend, you spend these years of putting your money in here, then what? 
Well, then you get to a point where you want to spend it and enjoy, right? I mean, that's the that's the short answer to a really long description, but uh, you save and you save and you save, and we're hardwired that way. Put it away, put it away, put it away. What you're really looking at is you want to make sure you're utilizing the vehicles that are going to give you the best advantage tax-wise from efficiency, and they're also going to continue to accumulate in the most efficient manner as possible. So um, there's different things that you look at when we're sitting down with a person to make sure that they are doing things appropriately. A lot of them are, are you utilizing your 401k or your qualified plan to the fullest potential, right? Because a lot of people aren't. Some people, if you're getting a five or a 6% match from your employer and only making a 4% contribution, you're literally leaving money on the table and we, you need to stop that, right? You need to be maximizing the match from your employer first and foremost. And you need to look at you know, compounding growth and how that works. Wealth is like a hockey stick, right? You add and you add and you add and you're accumulating all these shares, but the larger that base gets, right, the quicker the growth happens. So if you had $100,000 in an account, a 10% gain is only $10,000, right? doesn't sound that big on that number. If you have a million dollars in an account, a 10% gain is 100000 so you need to treat that account differently than you would when you started. So those are the things that you just need to stay abreast on or stay on top of uh, as you continue to go down that avenue. Wow, that's good stuff. Really good stuff, right? So at the end of the day, it's really about what's your money for. You're putting it away. You're saving it for what you want to utilize it. But as Tyler talked about here in these the difference in advantages, disadvantages of qualified versus non-qualified here today is really to make sure you're being most efficient so you can maximize that money to what you really want to do with it. And that's going to be a wrap here today for What's Your Money For podcast. We really appreciate you being with us. and just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Remember that everyone's situation is unique, and it's up to you to decide what your money is really for. I'm grateful if you could share this podcast with others on social media if you found value in it. And we look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you. The Trinell Financial Group is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Independent contractor of Money Concepts International, Inc. All securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member of FINRA, SIPC. Investments are not FDIC, NCUA insured. No bank or credit union guarantee. May lose value. Money Concepts Advisory Service is a registered investment advisor with the SEC.